Foden Beat Show, a weekly podcast about the 2024 Star Wars Armada Vassal World Cup. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Foden Beat Show. We're here back again in week two, episode number two, um, not including the zeroth episode because I'm a computer programmer. With me today is my co-host, Armchair Jedi. Hello there. And we've got our special guest, Fox Omega, who you know from another very popular podcast. Hello, everybody. It's me. Nice. We, we would like to thank Fox, Fox for, for taking guys, the time you know. out of his uh, out of the retirement to, to come back into the podcasting world and join us again. Um, it was really, really it's big. It's been a long and then, retirement. Yeah. And yep. then you can go yep. back to golfing in Florida. I've, yeah, I've taken up, yeah, shuffleboard and... And complaining about kids on my lawn. How are those Scrooge McDuck billions working for you? Can you actually dive into the podcast money? So I did that once and I blacked out and <laughs> <laughs> woke up a week later in the hospital and they told me, just don't do that again. Just, and then I uh, gave the yeah, hospital what? all my millions anyway. So, you know, American healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag, yeah. Podcasting with two Canadians. That's the problem. <laughs> All right, today we're going to do um, the Foden Bead interview, um, which, you know, I was thinking about it, like, Fox, you, you guys had that episode, like episode 50, which I love the hell out of, where you guys went through your own personal stuff. So some of the stuff is probably going to be a repeat, but I think our listeners would love to hear it again, because you're a very popular uh, person. And then um, we're going to talk, the three of us, about uh, the faction commander spread and what it might mean for the health of the game from the viewpoint of the Vassal World Cup. And then lastly, Armchair will walk us through a little bit of week two recap of the tournament. And that's going to be our, our, our podcast for today. With that, let's do this interview thing. So, Fox, can you tell me and our listeners, how long have you played Armada? I've been playing since a little bit after the release of the Quasar. So I was like wave six. So like mid to late 2017, early 2018, something like that. Uh, so what is that? Six years, seven years. Yeah. That's funny. You say Quasar and I think like that thing's been out forever. Forever. But when you say, but when you say wave six, I'm like, oh, well that was literally just the wave before armchair and I started. It, yeah, it, it was the point in Armada history where like, I, so I was just getting into the game and then I leaned on the table and broke my Gazanti and my friend who I was playing with just handed me another Gazanti like for free and was like, here, don't sweat it. And it's because it was right after the the flotilla nerf and the he nerfs. had like oh. five of them. <laughs> oh no. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll take it. <laughs> nice. I broke my Gazanti. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fox, how did you find the game? I had a bud at work and we both, we were big board gamers and we were both like, man, we, every time we go into a, a gaming store, we would see like all these big Warhammer tournaments going on and magic. And we, we were like, dude, we need to get into some aspect of the game that's like in the gaming that's competitive. So we decided on miniature gaming and we decided on Star Wars and we thought that the miniatures in Armada looked coolest. So we both were going to do it together, and then he flaked, and I went to a tournament without him, and I'm, I was hooked ever since. And then, like, years and years have gone by where I've just continued to tell him, like, dude, this game is awesome. It's amazing. And he just has no clue, like, 
what Armada is about and Man. even who I am. So, you know, I'm a totally different person than I was seven years ago. Yeah, you're internet famous now and he doesn't I know am. it. <laughs> he doesn't listen to the podcast? No, he has no idea that oh. I even run a podcast. It's weird, you know. Maybe weird. he'll listen to this one. Maybe he will. Maybe he will. Yeah, and it's interesting because that's there, but for you know, two two uh, paths diverged in a wood, and there I chose the one less taken, or maybe armchair, and I chose the one more taken. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I was going with that. That was beautiful. Uh, thank you. Just like me, um, Fox. Were you so right. you weren't into mini games? Um, you played board games. Yeah, Lots. and I think I no, I don't. I don't know what your favorite board game is. My favorite board, board, game board game is Food Chain Magnate, a game where it's like replicating the early 1950s McDonald's era. Like you're building a a, a, a food chain, a, a, a food restaurant, a restaurant, and like advertising, and you're building like your marketing department, and you're creating like your your infrastructure while also like the administrative side. Like it's it. It's a crazy. It's basically what I do for a job in board game form. A heavy strategy game about building a fast food chain. Yeah. No dice, just all strategy. That's it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm super curious about this game. Um mostly from hearing about Fox's escapades at work, so uh, <laughs> maybe I'll get into it one day and, and there'll be some like, "Oh, hey, Fox warned me about this." <laughs> Uh, were you, Fox, were you a Star Wars fan before you got into uh, Armada? My entire family are. We, we were like a Star Wars family. Like I remember, it was a big day when they released like the the special edition VCR, uh, like release of of the of the original three. And like my brother would play all the N64 Star Wars games and he had the collectible card game way back, like back in the nineties. Um, so it's, it's, I read, I read the, the tales of the bounty hunters or whatever, like five or six times when I was like 12 or 13, like it was the first grown up book quote unquote I ever read. So I'm a, I'm a big Star Wars guy through and through. He said VCR. So you're at least as old as I am. <laughs> I I try not to release my age because it 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 makes people th- they're biased against me. I'm much younger than people think I am. So I think Armchair found did, out how old I am. You did say VCR though. Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. I mean, these two weren't old. saying. What was the what was Star Wars released on when uh, when you were watching it there, uh, Armchair? It was it was on. Well, Oof. I mean, it was on TV reruns. Right. Um, but uh, but no, I got it on VHS. I don't think I ever had it on beta. Okay. I had a beta player for a while. Beta player. Mm-hmm. Beta. Uh, Fox, we know you played in the last VWC because mm-hmm. we had you on this podcast at the time. I actually have a question that's not in the, the notes. Ooh, Blindsided. Sure. Oh, my God. Did your experience on the Food and Bead show entice you into podcasting? Mm-hmm. Oh, y- yes, actually. My experience on the Foden Beach show originally was such a positive one. Um, both of y'all were so inviting and it was a cool environment. And I realized that 
podcasting when done well is like just a phone call between friends, you know, talking about things that they're passionate about. Um, and so when Paul and I, Kellorn, when we were driving to tournaments in Texas, it, it kept occurring to me over and over again, like that same feeling of, dude, we could just talk about the stuff that we like talking about and see if people want to listen to it. And if they don't listen to it, who cares? It'll just still be out there. But um, absolutely. And the y'all's podcast, like even though I was already participating in the Vessel World Cup, like it ignited a fire in my like want to participate in the tournament and my my zeal for the competition. So um, absolutely. Y'all have been a huge impact on me. Oh, thanks. So oh, thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah. So what you want to hear? Were you fishing for a compliment or mission accomplished? Holy cow. <laughs> mission accomplished. <laughs> Fuck. You know, you asked the guy a question. He delivers. No kidding. <laughs> We're going to clip that. <laughs> that's going on. That's going on my wall. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Fox, how did you feel about your chances against your pod opponents? Because all three of your games, you finished them at this point. How did I feel? So I felt I I, I had a Aramel was flying a Screed Venator fleet with four combat ships and only two squads. And so I, I'm flying a Kraken CR-90s with rogues. So I felt pretty good about it. And it, it went well my way. Um, and Mustura was flying a Tuke Recusant Muni Muni fleet. And Truthiness was flying a Dooku Recusant Hard Cell Gazanti Gazanti and just a bunch of squads. And I knew that those two archetypes were going to be tough. Um, I can burn down a, a Recusant really fast, but I need everything kind of in line at the same time. Uh, that's kind of the way that rebel MSU works. Like you kind of need all your guns pointed in the same place at the same time. Uh, truthiness was able to kind of gum up my squads and I knew I wouldn't be able to burn it down. And then I was so close against Michael, uh, in Musterer. and, uh, man, the, the projection experts are no joke. Like just the ability to recover all the shields that I had burned into that recce scent. Like it was down to six hole, and a few of my squads had whiffed pretty good, but I mean, ugh, they were great games. And, but I, I was, I was worried going into them. Even though Truthy and I, when we talked, he was equally worried about my capacity to ruin his day. So, um, great games all around, but it just didn't come up in my favor. It stinks, man. It's okay. I'll see you in the second chance. Uh, hey, there you go. Yeah. Um. Can you tell us about any of the VWC games that you were watching uh, that you thought were interesting? So I know of one game that I thought was going to be interesting that ended up being a big dud. Oh, I think I've heard of this one. Mm. Mm. Yeah. The shameful yeah, game. The shame game. Um, and you know what I love is how much uh, <laughs> content that one game has produced. So many memes and just like, oh, yeah. just hatred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Kellorn flying Cog against unskilled first officer Nick, who was flying a a Grievous bombing, bomber fleet, and they just deployed on opposite ends of the board and just sailed past each other, waving high. Um, that was, and then the other game I caught 
I've caught that was super interesting was Ion Bound versus um, versus Louis Andre because Louis Andre just got absolutely slapped by that Starhawk. It just did not burn down fast enough. Uh, and Louis Andre actually got tabled. Like he was picked as a favorite in that pod. I picked him as my favorite in that pod, but just starting out with a one, like brutal. He's sealed the deal since then, but uh, that game was was crazy. Uh, so that gives me hope because I'm currently sitting at a whopping one tournament point. Yeah, you could do it. I'm not nearly as good as Louis Andre though. No, not many of us are. <laughs> The man's flying Constantine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 punching down because he knows he can do it. Right, exactly. All right, that's the end of uh, our list of scripted questions. Um, Armchair, do you want to take this away off into uh, the, the faction commander spread topic? Uh, I will take it away into Statland, sure. Um, so one thing that we've kind of been looking at, thinking about over the, the course of this whole year, really... Um, is how the game's doing. You know, the first half of the year when we got um, Rapid Reinforcements 2, pretty quickly people started feeling like it was it was in a pretty bad place. And then we got Rapid Reinforcements 2-2. And all of a sudden people started feeling a lot better. So I'm, I was kind of wondering what the what the faction breakdown would look like, the commander breakdown, and um, you know, maybe get draw some some inferences there or some conclusions based on, on that. So, uh, and now understanding that the, the Vassal world cup can kind of go both ways, right? Like it's got definitely a competitive element. It's a tournament and to be Vassal world cup champion, you know, that they carry some weight in the, in the, in the community, uh, I think, but at the same time some people and, and, and Plausian from last year, uh, sticks up in my mind because they brought, I think nine hammerheads to the tournament. Um, so there's people who go all sorts of crazy jank fun stuff too. So it's not a perfect measure. This, the way that, you know, worlds might be as a, as a super hyper competitive environment, but um, let's, let's see what it, it can, it can tell us. So as far as the faction spread goes, uh, oops, sorry, I got my wrong note page up here. So as far as the, the faction spread goes, there were, and this is out of 88 lists, right? 25 rebel lists, 29 empire lists. So 28%, 33% respectively. 15 republic for 17%, 19 separatists for 22, which is, and like, you know, I, I kind of describe this as, you know, like the, the expected ratio almost. Right. But what does that, what does that say to us? I mean, is that kind of, I mean, you know, it's expected. You get the, the two big factions at the top and the, and the newer factions down at the bottom, but is that is that where the game wants to be? No, no follow up questions. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I think I think um, I think faction flexibility is kind of key here in understanding the faction spread because you know separatists we're we've kind of cracked the egg open on like different list makeup. Um, you know, there, if you look across, it's no longer just all Patriot fists, you know, there are a considerable amount, but it's not all Patriot fists. And so CIS faction, 
uh, list building is getting a little bit more varied, a little like people are digging into the, we have way more squadron heavy uh, CIS fleets cropping up. Um, and so the faction's getting deeper, which is getting it closer in line to rebels. Like there's only six less separatists than rebels, which honestly is the crazy stat to me. Um, with Republic, with the removal of matchstick and the softening of Anakin, there's been a little bit of an atrophy in the Republic faction. And again, I think it has to do with um, choice and flexibility of, of fleet composition. And we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but you can, you can see that in how many, t- how many people have selected Anakin because he, un- he taps into and unlocks a new list building option for people um, because he's kind of become the MSU commander to a degree uh, in that faction. And so I think that number will grow, but honestly, um, like I think that's the big thing for me is the fact that separatists and rebels are so close. We, we all knew that empire was still going to be pretty high up. Anytime you include Europe uh, in a, a, a world tournament, like you're, the empire are going to be heavily represented, but um, separatists and rebels being so close was a really cool step for me to see here. Now, I got a question. Do you guys who look at these numbers more often think that people pick a faction based on what they think is going to win? Or do they pick it based on something else? I don't know. I, th- I think, I mean, I kind of alluded to it earlier. You know, the, the, the VWC is a little bit interesting in that way because there are, there's an element of, yeah, you know, I'm entering this tournament and I'm serious about it and I want to go all the way. And there's also an element of the, Yahoo, it's January. Let's do something wild and have some fun and and you know, just just see what see what happens. So I and I don't know what the and it's impossible to gauge really unless you survey literally everybody, you know, did you come to this tournament with competition foremost in mind? Uh and we, we kind of touched on it last week with Stu Bucket a little bit, right? When we talked about, you know, it seemed like there were fewer lolzy meme lists this year than, than in previous years and more kind of quote unquote serious lists this year. Um, so, so I don't know. It's kind of hard to say in, in that, in that, that, that's not a great answer, but that's my answer. <laughs> I think that there what are, <laughs> it's an answer. I, I think there's a maybe mix. There, there's a mix. Like there's a lot of big names that are flying the same fleet, you know, uh, angry Ewok, uh, M. Musterer, uh, even unskilled, like it's different from what he flew last year. But he won a tournament. He he won a, he won his ticket, his world's ticket, with this fleet that he's flying. Essentially, um, Arc Welder, Xantos. Like, there's a lot of people who are flying what they know and are good at, and so I think that's driving a majority of the numbers. And I think a lot of people, I think uh, the, the other. I think maybe 30% of the faction selection is being driven by not necessarily, I think I can win with this because otherwise they wouldn't switch over to something they're not familiar with. I think it's fun. I think we have, we're reaching a really good moment in the Vassal World Cup where like 30% of the people here are doing it purely just having a blast and not really caring about like, like Plausian's fleet from two years ago, right? The nine hammerheads. That's an inspirational fleet. <laughs> like, I wouldn't take that competitively, but I mean, hell, the, he had a blast and like inspires a ton of people to just, you know, have fun. So I think that I don't think that's a lot of it. So Fox, but go ahead. 
Fox, you're well known for playing Dooku. Yeah. But you're playing something else in this event. What what made you switch to another faction? Ooh, well, you know, this is going to actually... It's funny to say this on air, but, um, like, I've always been jealous of people flying Rebel MSU, like, across the table from me. I've always been inspired by those types of fleets. And I flew, like, at LSO this last year, I flew an Empire fleet, and I actually got a lot of negative, like... um feedback about it because it was like the first time that I had competitively flown something other than CIS in like three years almost. Um, and it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth and I just sat and thought about it for a long time. And I realized, dude, am I playing Armada to make other people happy? Or am I playing Armada to make me happy? And then I went and purchased all of the rebel stuff that I needed to purchase to start flying it. And now I'm flying like competitively what I love. I love flying rebel MSU and I'm sorry to all the people who want me to be CIS for the rest of my life, but I, you know, it's still in my heart, but um, I feel like I'm, I've been doing this for too damn long to not actually fly something that I thoroughly enjoy. So that's why, that's why I switched. That's awesome. That's a sweet answer because so I like from my perspective and I'm, not at all representative of our of our population here but like i think i will be playing republic forever let's put a little air quotes around that like i'm not i'm not switching i like republic i think they're super cool i love the theme i love the constraints of the 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 fewer cards i i i like the look of all the ships i think it's awesome um so like i'm not somebody that would be changing factions to try to win an event but also those people exist in the world. I guess uh, two, two things on that. I mean, I, I, I totally respect people who, who play what they love. Right. And, and you know, this, this isn't at the end of the day, it's a game, right? We, we gotta, we gotta, you gotta do what you love. And if you're not having fun with it and it's not working out, then, you know, you know, find something that does work. And, and so you switching from, from Duke to Kraken or, to, you know, Rebel MSU, whatever form that might take, uh, make Mothma great again. You know that that's that's awesome, and and people exploring different ways of of doing those kind of fleets just kind of like you said, you know, brings inspiration to to the whole community. Um, on one hand, on the other hand, you're a traitor to the separatist cause, and you're going to burn. <laughs> Somehow, I knew that was coming. <laughs> well, well, you what's... can't handle the truth. No, I can definitely handle that truth. What's funny is you are you're flying like a list that I inspired like two something years ago, like the Kraken streakers and to see you go, uh, 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 face. And I talked about this, that you're flying a list that has like, just, it's like the distilled essence of what Kraken streakers was supposed to be. Like you were flying such a good list armchair. I just want to tell you like excellent work with the list. If only I was a better flyer, but thank you. Well, and on that, Armchair has, I think, flown three different factions over the last three years. So if we're talking about switching factions around... Hmm? Yeah, I'm, I'm never going to Republic, so just, just forget about it. <laughs> I fly Empire. That's pretty much the same thing. Get out. Yeah. Speak, speaking of, uh, of, of flying different factions and different commanders, though, um, look at the commanders. It was an interesting kind of spread within the factions like rebels for example there's three commanders not present 
and they are Garm, Maydeen, and Draven, of course. I I, I kind of hope somebody would take a, a throw at Draven. I really wish they would, but but nobody did. And a, another interesting thing I found, and this this only applies to, I think I've got data back to 2020 when I started playing in the World Cup, maybe. I don't think I've got data from 2019, but going back to 2020, nobody has ever played Maydeen. Out of the wow. rest of the yeah, out of the rest of the list though, uh, or out of this year's list, I mean, um, Agate still the most popular. She is. There were seven people who took Agate. Twenty eight percent of all Rebel players played Agate. It's the second most popular choice overall. Eight percent of the of the total. And then in second place, you've got Akbar with four. Is a, a tie for with three with Leia and Radis. Uh, Mon Mothma, who we haven't seen in real life competitive play very much at all this whole this whole competitive season uh but there was one mothma one sato list uh and then pretty much you know everybody except for garmin draven Medin, there was there were two of each so agate despite the price buff um or price nerf price increase still super popular what up with that what up with that i think um well i mean this is a little bit more tame than years in the past though i feel like i've seen agate like last year, I bet she had like what ten. I bet she was double digits, huh? Uh, I don't know if you have that number in front of you. I'm, I'm going to pull it up right now. You keep talking. But uh, the one cool thing about that Mothma, the Mon Mothma, is that's a hawk. Um, that's a Starhawk Mon Mothma, which is fascinating. So, uh, yeah, Ray all the rest used of to play a, a moth hawk. That's cool. Who did? Really? Really? Yeah, she used to play a moth hawk. I used to hate hey, that thing. Uh, this is all, I, I, I mean, I, I like Garm, Draven, and Medine being out. It makes sense to me. I think Medine just, people need to tap back into him. And Garm, I mean, this is the community losing Schmitty, uh, bringing Garm into his greatness. So, I, I don't know. This all makes sense. I like that a gate is lower, though. Um, that's the big thing. Everything else makes sense to me. So last year, there were 84 lists. Uh, it was almost the same spread, actually. 29 Rebels, 25 Empire. So those had switched. And then 15, 15 Republican Separatists. There were 10 Agates, uh, yep. representing 12% mm-hmm. of the total and 34% of the Rebels. Who called it. Yep. So, I mean, I guess despite despite the extra five points, still... and and. I mean, the, the, the knock against the gate the whole time has been, okay, she only helps you with one ship and, and doesn't help you with your fleet, doesn't help you with your squads. But even at plus five points, still super useful in, in a lot of people's lists. And I imagine if that one ship is the one important ship, then maybe it's okay? Oh, that's exactly it, yeah. And people, yeah, well, I mean, like, I guess the... Like Brickhouse with his, uh, his a gate potato and then all he's got extra is that uh nebulon and that's it like that's the whole fleet like <laughs> that's insane but yeah. a gate is pulling her weight you know yeah and and a gate on an mc30 you know we've, we've seen her do work on on the fox hawk before so yeah i mean she's got she's got she's got legs as they say um looking at empire so so looking at empire and also thinking year to year well, this year, there are five out of the 13 Imperial Commanders not there. Thrawn isn't there. It's, it's, actually, it's actually the toilet paper crew. 
It's Thrawn, Tag, Tarkin, Palpatine, and Piet. Awesome. The TP crew. The TP, TP crew. crew. I love that. Right? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Large package. If you're uh, if you're listening, um, Piet's in the TP crew. But Ozil is the new hotness. He's the most popular out of all commanders at the World Cup with 10 of them, 11% of the total. He's 34% of the Empire. That, that's the numbers that we saw from Aggie last year, right? And looking at last year, guess how many Ozils there were? There were three Ozils last year, and now there are 10. Uh, also present, you got Sloan and Jerry. Not, no surprise there, four each. Madi and Constantine at three each. We haven't seen Constantine numbers like that in a... In, I, I don't know if we've ever seen Constantine numbers like that. Um, Romo Vader at two, Screed at one. And Ozil didn't get buff nerfed changed in any way, right? Don't think so no. since the um, the 1.5 update. Yeah, if anything, indirectly because yeah. of things around him, you know. Well, that's that's kind of where I was going. So like this, this is the topic here is what does this say about the health of the game? And for me, a, a commander coming out of nowhere, shooting to top place because stuff around them changed. That sounds pretty healthy to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I think a couple things actually happened. I think Ramadi no longer being the cheapest commander, number one, that's low, that's low hanging fruit. I feel like that's an easy identifier. Two, because onagers are now less prevalent and you can't eliminate targets as rapidly, Ozl gives you, uh, when I flew a lot, I flew a lot of Ozl a long, long time ago, um, but Ozl gives you the capacity to schedule engagement a lot more effectively. Uh, instead, like, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but like onagers allowed you to schedule engagement in that we're engaging now, but like I'm engaging you and you're not engaging me. Ozil, I'm scheduling engagement in that I'm going to put on the handbrake and end right outside along and you have to move into me and now I'm going to go forward or I'm going to go straight forward at you and this is going to give me the capacity to slow down in engagement to get maybe one more black dice shot off and then accelerate out the back end um, without having to use any navigate commands or whatever and I can use, I can, I can command squads. Real Veers gives me a hard time because uh, I don't think Ozil is like a premier squad commander, but he's being used that way to a degree, which is cool. That's fine. But I think what Ozil primarily does is he he's a, an incredible balance of offensive and defensive um, uh, commander, which if you don't have onagers that create this huge offensive threat, you kind of need a commander that, is going to give you a balance of both. Jerry doesn't really do it like, like Ozil does. Jerry gives you a lot of defensive options and a lot of poor deployment choice correction, but doesn't really give you that handbrake and then accelerate and then, or I'm going to break in engagement and accelerate out to, so I can like, I, we can engage on my terms. I think that's what Empire needs because they, they can't lean on the firepower of Onagers anymore really as well as they could. So interesting. Look, looking year over year, Ramadi is flat. Um, at He was two two this year. He was three last year. It's basically Sloan's gone down. Madi's gone down. Ozil's gone way up. Even Jerry is flat. And, and so with that, you know, and what you said about 
and I know you don't necessarily buy it, but Ozil being a, a really good squadron commander, because now I don't have to worry about navigating, I can just squad dial all, to my heart's content. And obviously Sloan. That, that's 16% of the total Vassal World Cup field is those two admirals. Is is Empire defined by their squadrons? It's It's a good question. I think it's the thing that now they have to use to like reach out and touch somebody. Uh, they were already kind of doing it in like Sloanager fleets and stuff like that. But I think uh, since Onagers just aren't as prevalent after the nerf, which is kind of crazy. Like they did get nerfed, but like you can still make fleets guys like, you know, like Onagers are still cool, but I, I think their squads are so potent that um, that's the one thing they need to like, you know, really keep their distance and stay safe and competitively. It makes sense, but uh, I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe I, I don't. I don't see a lot of all beef um, imperial fleets anymore. You know. Yeah, Onager numbers are down by half this year. I mean, that was a pretty significant uh, hit they took in in terms of price increases. So, yeah, I just I, I kind of saw those two those two commanders put together are, are a significant chunk and it's like, wow. And then you think about, you've got, you know, obviously the Jen and Merrick um, best friends, but now you've got the, the defender Vader as well in there, which is like pretty much staple to that crew now too. So um, yeah, it just kind of made me wonder is like, is empire really a, a squadron faction? I don't know. I don't either, man. <laughs> I don't either. You're the, you're the, you're the guest. I, we, we brought you on. To have answers like oh um uh yeah yeah that's them all that's right them. okay that's them you all heard right it here folks you heard it here first fox says empire if you're not playing squadrons with empire you're doing it wrong clearly and also yeah yeah squadrons also yep. win win easy win um speaking of easy win republic so two commanders not present in Republic, one of them, I don't think anybody's surprised, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, yeah, he's kind of, he's the he's the draven of the Republic, really. But Ularen isn't here to, uh, this year, which I found really surprising. The other thing I found surprising, and, and Fox mentioned this earlier, six Anakins. He's the most popular Republic commander. He's the third most popular commander in the tournament. He's, I mean, he's a whopping 40% of, of the Republic faction. He's 7% of the overall total. Uh, there's three Tarkins and Bales, two Lumis and a Plo. But no Ularen and six Anakins. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that that says, hey, people are taking a, a good look at Anakin. They're giving him some, some thought. They're giving him, you know, some different looks, trying it out, seeing what works, what doesn't, and exploring the, you know, the design space that was opened up when he switched over to being really an MSU commander. I think, too, that, like you said it in a previous episode, I think something similar was that, like, I think you said that a bunch of the different Anakin fleets are all different. Um, for example, my fleet is wildly different uh, because nobody would ever play my fleet. And, like, if people are build, are like building these, these, like, trying these things out, you know, as I keep trying to come back to this health of the game thing... I think that's super that's super healthy that's really cool that there's all these different ideas that are going out into this this commander to see what's going to stick yeah that's I, I i agreed i really do think that we're we're what three four months removed from anakin 
being in the the style that he is. And I really do think he un, he untaps just like previous Anakin did. He he unlocks like this whole era of list building that guard players are still adjusting to. It makes sense that Yularen is empty, that no one's taking Yularen because like a lot of the people who take Yularen do it like Yularen also is similar in that there were a lot of different formulations of Yularen uh, that you could use and, and, and make work. Um, you know, the, the four Pelta, the, the Gar Rinder or the, the Ven Pelta Pelta, uh, all that jazz. I think all those people have kind of shifted over. Okay. Let's see what the new hotness is. Let's see how Anakin works, all that jazz. I think also matchstick leaving really does take a lot of the sting out of you, Lauren. Um, but yeah, honestly, a really exciting time for Gar, even though there's not a lot of players, um, to see six Anakins, it means that people are really, they're looking for the next cool thing to play in Gar. And there's a lot of cool options and things to do and play with now that Anakin's in there. It's also of note that Anakin, I'm trying to figure out how to say this, that of the most popular in faction, Anakin is the most popular at 40%. He's got the highest percentage within the faction of anybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that really stands out. I mean, it's it's a it's a smaller field than like there's seven Republic commanders compared to you know, 12 and 13 in, in the Civil War era faction. But yeah, it's... And, and I keep I keep saying, you know, it, the more people try out these things that conventional wisdom might suggest aren't great or are suboptimal, but the more people try them out and try new ways of trying to make them work, that's that's the word try a lot of times. But um, yeah, you know, the, the more exercise they get, the more looks they get, that that kind of ripples out through the whole meta, and and it, I think it's good for the game at, overall. I'm going to try Yularen if I go to the second chance event. Oh, no. Um, separatists. All commanders are present. Every one of them. Uh, there's uh, TF1742 is the popularity contest winner. There's five of them. 26% of the faction, 6% overall. There's four each of Tukin Grievous. There's three Dukus, two Trench, and my lone Kraken. So... You know, on the surface here, that looks great, right? There, there's the most spread, the most balance. Um, you know, it all the commanders are present. So that that kind of suggests that all of them are viable. Although I'm the only crazy person taking Kraken, so maybe not. Maybe it's just me. Um, what do you think? Is 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 Separatist in the best spot it's it's ever been? I think that the answer is yes. Um, and I'm gonna. I'm going to come back to a, an article that I read once about Magic the Gathering um, and how they said, and I'm going, to, I'm going to mess this up, but how they talked about how they designed Magic the Gathering is that they've got a bunch of different tools for each type of player. And there's types of players that like big, heavy things, and there's types of players that like stopping their opponent from doing things. And then there's types of players that like exploring different ideas. And what they found was that if they can... Uh, uh, bring something for each of those types of players, they're going to have more successful game. 
what I'm kind of seeing here, and it, you know, you just made fun of yourself as being the only Kraken player. I think that if you were to go to that Magic Gathering article, you'd see yourself in one of those archetypes, and it would be the dude that likes doing weird shit because it makes him happy to see the Rube Goldberg machine work. That's why you're playing Kraken. Yeah, that that might be right. Yeah. 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 But also, we've got these other people that are also keeping the the faction um, happy and and showing that it's got a lot of good stuff in it because there's people there that want to do, you know, just really that you know TF seventeen forty two. They want to do something that's powerful that does good stuff that works how they want it to work. Yeah. Yes. 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 So I think what we're seeing now in separatists is we're seeing the fruits of the separatist strategy chat channel in the armada hub discord really really come to life like that that channel is has been full of just so many utterly creative individuals um you know i spent a lot of time in that channel talking about dooku and really explaining the strategy behind it uh mako has been in there talking about Took and a little bit of tf um, I'm just not noticing you put tranch in here, which makes me laugh. Armchair, <laughs> yeah, instead <yeah>. of tranch. <laughs> I want some tea ranch. accent. Some tea ranch with my with my salad. Um, that's how we pronounce it up here. It's tranch. Tranch. <laughs> tranch. Um, I think the reality is also when you when you look across these commanders, the 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 type of fleets are so varied. For instance, these three Dukus could not be more different. Um, we have Plausian who's taking Duku, but it's double large with double Phylon. Uh, you've got um, Truthiness who's playing Duku, but he's doing the wreck, hard sell, Gazanti, Gazanti with a boatload of squads. And then you have Xantos who's flying uh, the traditional Duku uh that I started a long, long time ago with like the recusant muni and double hard cell. Like those are three totally different ways to go about doing Dooku and they're all viable and they're all interesting. That's what's really cool about um, separatists is we've unlocked this faction. Like there's just so much variety. I think the problem now is all of these commanders just are not um, potent enough to stand out amongst the rest out of all the factions. I think all these commanders are just like, they're so replaceable, like in, in, in fleet cost, like in point cost in ability. And like, I have so many Dooku fleets that could just be Kraken fleets. I have so many Dooku fleets who could, that could be grievous fleets. I have so many Took fleets that could be trench fleets. Like it's, it, it it's just not it, what makes the Separatist faction great now is the variability in makeup, like squads and double large and using the Gazantes that we've got now, not necessarily the commanders. I think it's interesting that people are picking these commanders, but in, you know, I, to me, this tells me that the Separatists are now mature. Like we, we have a mature faction now to that is uh, compatible with rebels and empire. That's what I see in my mind. That's interesting, and I hadn't really thought about it that way. But yeah, when you, when you think of, of Empire, for example, there's you know there's a Sloan and there's a Mahdi, and they do, do they do two vastly different things, or you know like a Tarkin or a, you know a Tarkin Thrawn kind of a thing. That, that there's specific things you can't easily 
swap between them and, and the same, you know, on the rebel side, there, there's some that are similar enough that maybe, you know, it should be this versus that. Um, but yeah, that is interesting that that's a comment I see fairly frequently on the, on the separatist chat is that, Oh, you know, you know, yeah, this fleet looks good, but, but why this instead of that, or why, you know, why grievous, why, why Kraken instead of grievous, why, why Dooku instead of, you know, somebody else. So that's interesting. I mean, it, it's, it's neat because it speaks to the the health of the faction in a broader sense, in terms of the, the selection, the, the, the ship choices, the squadrons, the synergies, but it, it also suggests that the commanders are maybe, or does it, does it suggest that the commanders are underpowered or lacking or overcosted? No, it's, it's an excellent question. It, it makes me think that it's probably a good idea that separatists didn't get a commander in rapid reinforcements too. Uh, because I think an additional commander that isn't properly like really specifically play tested in like in, in conjunction with how other commanders can kind of get slotted into the same type of fleets that that commander would bring. I think it could throw off the balance of the faction really easily as it is right now, you know, tranche T ranch, is is perceived as one of the weaker commanders but honestly he's all right and all of the commanders are just all right I, it's the ships it's recusance munificence providences hard cells and gazantes those three those five ships are just so easily inter like you can create fleets that are just really really strong using those components regardless of what it it's it's the agate effect like you know, you, you, you create a generically strong rebel fleet and you throw a gate in there and now it's just like a little bit better. It's the same thing. Like you throw Kraken in one of my Dooku fleets and it's like, yeah, that, I mean, that could be a little bit better. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's it's really, it, definitely it's interesting. It's very interesting. I like where separatists are at conceptually. So, um, yeah. Also, a lot of really good players migrated over. So, unskilled first officer, truthiness, Plasian playing. Um, uh, M. has been playing Separatist for a while. Like, there's a lot of big names playing Separatist right now, which is just really cool to see. I did it first, though. So, <laughs> of course, yes. Lest, lest we be under any illusion. I got to um, slip that in. Yeah. Yes, of course, of course. Um, so the state of the game in terms of faction spread and, and commander spread. Are we in, are we in a good place? Are we in a bad place? Are are some of us faction-wise in better places than others? It sounds like Separatists, you, you feel like Separatists are in a, in a pretty good place. Um, you know, Empire is is maybe in a, in a bit of a state of flux because they've got the, you know, that that ripple effect from the Ramadi and, and Onager changes that is still kind of floating, you know, settling out uh, Rebels. You know, they, they've got, they got Draven and nobody cares. So they're just kind of doing what they've always done. Um is is the is the game looking like it's in a good place and we got uh you know a lot more fun ahead of us i have i have, i think i have three points here um one it's really cool at this point in the game to be able to step back and look at the historical record and can you can kind of see the growth patterns or the maturing of factions legitimately through like series of tournaments, like where were separatists a year ago versus where they are now in this tournament, right? We can see 
now knowing that historical record that Gar is just in a developmental phase. Like, you know, it's, it's the rebellious teenager and um, like, it's really cool to see that Two, I think this is the most balanced the game has ever been period. Like with the removal of a lot of um, like a lot of the onagers, I, I think I think onagers are still a really good piece in the game. I've always felt that way. But with the the removal of them, there's a lot of more interesting things happening in that faction. And it like, it just lends itself to a lot like breathing room to the capacity to try other things. And like, you can have a highly competitive fleet and still try something weird and goofy and have fun. That's where all this Constantine's coming from. Like it's really cool to see. And then the third thing was something that I thought of uh, when I started talking and now I can't remember it, but it was probably a really good point. So uh, that's what I have to say about that. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks. Cool. Well, on that bombshell, let's get into the week two recap. And it was a big weekend. Lots of pods either finished up or, or players, you know, one or both players clinched their spots in the Swiss. So let's rip through these real quick here and get you up to date on what's going on. So. Starting off with Pod Bothan, friend of the podcast and all-around nice guy, Fox. That's you. Played Truthiness in a win-and-get-in final match in the pod. Uh, Truthy won 7-4, uh, despite uh, the dice on his alpha strike from Patriot Fist being a little bit soft. Uh, got the win in the end. So Truthy joins M. Muster in the Swiss and both Separatist players coming out of that, that pod. In Pod Chiss. Black's backseat Admiral wrapped up his pod phase with a 213-22 win over Zilius, so he's got a spot in the Swiss. Zilius still has a very narrow path to get into the Swiss, and he's got matches remaining against both Paul Heaver and Josh B88. Pod Dathomir was one of our many pods of death this year. Louis Andre keeps the King K dream alive, bouncing back from that 110 opening match with 10-1 and 8-3 wins over what's my nickname this week, 19? And Forminder. So he's going to make it into the Swiss despite that rough start. Uh, the guy with the blog 19 and Ferminder will determine whether it will be Ferminder or Ironbound who will join him. In Poduros, Kalorn, an unskilled officer, played what can only be described as a game. But the six points is enough for Kalorn to advance. Unskilled first officer is second on 13 points with one game to go. So there's still a chance for last, last, uh, blah, blah, excuse me, laugh fuzzball. It's a hard thing to say. Uh, to squeak past him. Um, again, but we're recording at night. I, I cut off in the morning, so I'm not sure what has happened in between uh, this morning and now. Uh, I think some of these games may have been played already, but as of as of update time, Laugh Fuzzball still had a path in. Uh, Podgianosin Nidamir won a close match against the former champion Aresius and sits second in the pod, but there's still a lot of games to play left there. In Podgundan, speaker and last year's champ, Outbound Flight, are both rooted the Swiss. Team Canada is down by one as Maturin does not make the cut, but you can still throw a wrench in speaker seating with a final match in the pod, so go Team Canada. In pod Iktaki, Zaz is going to join PT106 in the Switch, in the Swiss. They still have an important match to play against each other that's going to affect their seating, so keep an eye on that one. In pod Kaminoan, uh, all the games are done. Uh, Guerra has defeated Plausian, 111.38 and Persmecchio 351 has annihilated Bantha 377 to 8. Despite the loss, though, Plaustian managed enough points to just edge out 
Korsmekio 3-5-1 for second place. So it'll be Guerret and Plausian going through into the Swiss. Podrodian, I finished all my games this week, but didn't get enough points to advance, so the lone Kraken bows out. Uh, Taserface and In Rob We Trust have the final match of the pod, and it's crucial because whoever wins this gets in, and whoever doesn't will be eating popcorn with me on the stands, watching from the outside. Pod de Gruta. Uh, Stu Bucken defeated Admiral J to move into second place in the pod after two games. They each have one game left remaining against our co-host, Rayleigh42, who can play... Hey. Kate. That's you, who will determine who will be the second player to advance out of that pod. So even though really you're kind of on the other side looking in, still very, very important games to be played. I'm excited. Let's yeah. go, Stu! And Admiral J. Do it. In Pod Todarian, another exciting final match. We'll see Rimson and Kaldesh face off to see who will advance. Rimson dropped a close game to Jonas Walker, who finishes on 20 points and will advance to the Swiss. In Pod Tradotion, uh, Greeny has dropped, but there's still a fierce battle between Daniel DTW, Deridian, and Real Veers, which could go any which way. Potom Baron has got Dark Raver, who lost a tight third match, but still scores enough to advance. And he'll be joined by Elred, who had a win over Poli Kaldana and pushes him into the top spot in the pod with 25 points. Pod Zabrik has come alive. The last pod to get their games going had two games this week. Uh, Red Scourge defeated Ryan Pennock 10-1 and TX Honey Badger just edged uh, Envy Specialist 86 with 28 MOV. Still, again, you know, two games out of all their games uh, have been played. So lots, lots still happen there. Which brings us to the Switch Watch. The Swiss Watch. I just realized that was a pun. That was not intentional, but I'll take it. Uh, the Swiss Watch. Robofet's 26 points is still top of the table going into the Swiss. Uh, there are 17 people who have got their their spots, um, their tickets punched. Still lots to be decided, though. A lot of these pods have got either win and get in games or quite a few of their games still to go. So there's lots to, to play for in this final week of the pod phase. The Swiss is scheduled to start on January 22nd. So please get your games in. Please let us know, please, when these games are happening so we can watch because all these games, most of these games are going to be super impactful for what goes on in the next phase of the Vassal World Cup. Right on. That's a lot. Um, I think we're getting ready to wrap up here. This will be the longest food beat episode ever. Anything else you guys want to add to the conversation before we uh, sign off for the night? I want to, I want to thank Fox for, uh, for once again, you know, putting his uh, pinochle night on hold and, and coming to join us for between two alien heads. <laughs> They're they're banging at the door like, hey, when are you joining back in the game? And like, hey, guys, settle down. Like, Pinochle can wait. I told these two scrubs I would give them a half hour of my time. They took an hour. I'm too polite to no, let go. That's very it's polite. Canadian. It's Canadian it's, time. It's, it's yeah. me. I, I'm definitely the reason why we went late. I am so sorry, everybody. <laughs> no, Meanwhile, it's good. The people in, in want their- content. In the recording chat, Rayleigh and I are like, God, this guy won't shut up. Oh, my Get God. Get him out of here. <laughs> Where's that giant hook? I'm just going to press the mute button. Yeah. Awesome, you guys. Well, that's that's super good. This has been a great uh, episode with a lot of content. Uh, content. A, good, a lot of great discussion. Um, this is wicked. This is exactly 
what we should be talking about in this uh, this time of January, which is terrible for I'm going to go to bed. Good night. May the force be with you. Always. Thanks for listening to the Food and Beat Show. If you have any feedback, feel free to reach out by email or Discord. Listen again next week for more Vassal World Cup commentary. Thank you.